right. It is good morning. Um, I am the sober heathen. I'm sober. I am a heathen. I am the sober heathen. Welcome to the podcast. A uh, little, uh, little technical difficulties this morning. So if there was a brief pause, uh, that wasn't your computer or anything uh, before the intro music hit. That was my error. But um, you know what? Things happen, and uh, this is going to be a good one. I got to wake up this morning to uh, Thor banging away on his hammer. Uh, lots of thunder. Um, feels like spring is here. So uh, very excited uh, to wake up that way. I, I love me some thunder. So today we have um, a guest. Uh, he hosts the sober, or excuse me, the sober dad podcast. His name is John. John, welcome to the sober Heathen podcast. Uh, how are we doing this morning? And uh, tell us where you're from and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, my name is John Skillman, and like you said, I host the uh, Sober Dad podcast. And um, it's a good morning so far. You know, woke up sober, not hungover, and um, so yeah, I started my podcast about a week ago. Uh, I'm based out of uh, Northern Oregon, and I've got four kids. My oldest is five, and then they run on down till uh, my youngest is three months old. Well, wow. oh, that's uh, congratulations! Quite a handful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't mention probably uh, goes with the the name, but uh, I'm a stay at home dad. I quit my uh, desk job when my uh, oldest was born. I put my wife uh, through veterinary school. I met her right when she graduated from undergrad, and then I, um, yeah, put her through her graduate school. And when it came time to have kids it made more sense for her to go to work and for me to stay home because she was going to be making a lot more money than me and childcare is expensive. Yes, sir. Oh man, it is a nightmare. I I, I totally feel you I had twin boys and uh, trying to search around to find something um, even with both of us working uh, at the time was, uh, was quite the challenge. So I totally get it, man, for sure. So uh, how long you got uh, in sobriety, man? Uh, I think today is uh, day 82. That is awesome, dude. Dude, you're coming up on that 90 days. It's it's such an important date. I know when I was in treatment, you know, they're like, hey, you know, you can come in here for 30 days. The success rate is this. Uh, 60 days, it's this. But when you hit that 90-day mark, it was something like 67, 60 to 70%, somewhere in that that range of, uh, of your chances of being in recovery and staying in recovery. So congratulations on 82 days, man. So, uh Go ahead and tell us a little bit, uh, you know, uh, what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. All right. Um, so uh, early life, pretty unremarkable drinking career. Uh, had my first <laughs> drink at like eight years old at a wedding. Oh, my wow. uncle was playing bartender um, and I asked for apple cider and he gave me champagne. And <laughs> I, at first I tried it and I was like, oh, this is gross. But you know, I was kind of curious. So I drank it and then I went back and asked for another apple cider to see what would happen and i got another champagne uh, after the second one i kind of started feeling weird and kind of guilty actually i had that guilt from my first drink initially um so then not a whole lot to tell through high school i got like my senior year i got uh suspended off the swim team right before state qualifiers because i uh there was pictures on the internet on this cool brand new website called facebook <laughs> that uh yeah so i got in trouble there because i was uh, at a party where there was pictures and uh, not a whole lot to tell after that i turned 21 and then 
you know, started drinking a little more regularly, but it was still not a big deal. It really wasn't until I got, um, I met my wife and six months later we were married because, uh, she was leaving the country for school and I was like, well, I'm just going to go with her. So let's get married. And, um, we lived the next three and a half years, uh, in the Caribbean and that's where my drinking, yeah, that's where it was beautiful, but alcohol is very cheap and very, uh, very easy to come, you know, to find it's everywhere there. So, um, that's where my drinking kind of really took off. I, uh, was working remotely on my computer, um, you know, to pay for school and everything. And that's where I started day drinking because like she was gone all day. So I would just walk down to the local convenience store and, you know, buy a six pack of whatever the local beer was. It tasted like piss. It was pretty, uh, (laughs) you know, but I got the job done and, but I was able to like, like to mask it. And even then that's when I started being secretive, but I very seldom got drunk I would just drink a six pack or whatever while she was at work and it was all fine. There was no questions asked, but early on in Grenada, when we would hang out together and drink together, that's when, uh, we started actually having like fights, like, you know, Mm -hmm. verbal arguments. Um, because before that I was a very happy drinker and for, I think maybe there's stress. I'm not sure what it was, but something changed to where we'd start getting in like fights and it was it was pretty frequent when we were both drink together. So then I was like, well, maybe we just can't drink together. So I just drink alone. Um, and that lasted all the way through those three and a half years. And then we moved back to the States for her last year of school. And my drinking kind of slowed down a bit. I actually had an in-person job again. So um, I would still, it was kind of a split shift. I'd wake up early in the morning, go to work, uh, do the thing, come home, and work my second job on my computer. And then I would have a few drinks and then go back to work. But that's when it started getting a little like it was less frequent, but sometimes I would be a little drunk and go to work in the evenings drunk, or I would be way too hungover to go to work. So I would call in sick and uh, fast forward through that year. My daughter was born and I actually took like a month or two off of drinking. I thought I could, you know, stop. I was like, oh, that's a good, good excuse to stop. I'm going to be the stay at home dad now. And mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how I justified it or anything, but then I just one day started drinking again at home. And that continued for a little over five years with um, me trying to stop here and there. But then it got to the point where I couldn't hide that I was drinking as well anymore. My wife would come home and I'd be obviously drunk. Um, I don't know if it's the IPAs or what it is, but uh, it's a lot different than the Caribbean beer. The alcohol content's higher and it took a lot less to to get me to that point. And I think just at a certain point, my I had a higher tolerance, but also I was not as... Uh, capable of gauging how much alcohol would get me. Cause like my goal was to drink, get drunk and then sober up before my wife got home. Bingo. Yeah. But it didn't work that way. And so I spent those five years gaslighting her and lying to her, telling her mm. that, you know, it was anything but alcohol. Cause she would come home and be like, are you drunk? No. And I mean, she and every now and then she'd actually catch me with alcohol. She'd catch me. <laughs> like she came home one time and I was, you know, I was asleep on the couch or, you know, the worst time I was passed out on the floor in the bathroom because I went in there to try to purge because I was like, I'm too drunk. And luckily, my kids were just watching TV and I was only asleep. I, when I pieced it together, I was only asleep for about half an hour. 
And, you know, that, that was a wake up call. I, at least I thought it was, I used that as an excuse to try to get sober. Uh, that lasted a few weeks. I always had, you know, some kind of excuse, some kind of reason. Um, and then I guess fast forwarding to when I got sober this year, um, on Valentine's day, I had my last drink on the 13th of February, but, um, she caught me with a beer in the car, uh, cause I went out to get pizza and, uh, there's a bar right next to where the pizza was. And I went in there and, you know, filled up a drink and got a couple of drinks and drank a few in the car real quick. But I got home and she met me in the garage and I could have hit the beer, but I didn't for whatever reason. And um, she caught me and I tried to lie my way out of it. And then eventually I just like, OK, fine. Yes. And the the difference for me that time was she usually she would argue with me and fight with me, but she was just indifferent and mm. that indifference scared the hell out of me because i was like yeah i was like that's that's new that's uh you know a lot of people think the opposite of love is hate but i think the opposite of love is indifference because like you still have to care about somebody to hate them but if you <laughs> if yeah but if you don't you know if you don't if you don't care then you know that's worse in my opinion so uh again i did not admit to all of my, you know, all my faults, all my, uh, all my wrongs, you know, step five, so to speak. So I, uh, I about two weeks into that sobriety, I was just angry and white knuckling it real bad. And I was sitting on the couch and she was on the couch and then I'm not sure what happened. I mean, I like to think that it's my, you know, my God moment, my spiritual moment, but I was sitting there and I could just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, I don't know what's going to, in my mind, I even remember telling myself this. I'm like, I'm not sure what's going to happen, uh, but I'm just going to, I'm either going to drink or I'm going to tell her everything that's going on. And I chose to just start telling her the truth about the last, you know, 10 years of our life where all the, all the hiding, all the lying, all the, you know, the sneaking and, you know, it was, it was hard. Um, the whole time my justification for not telling her was the fear of losing my kids and mm -hmm. losing her and the life we built. And it took, you know, it took uh, everything I had to just tell her the truth. And as I was telling her, she would pause and like, ask me direct questions about certain events, certain nights mm -hmm. where in the past I had just lied. And, you know, I told she her the, told her the truth. And, mm -hmm. uh, I was worried uh, that she was going to leave and she almost did. She threatened to uh, those first few days were not, not great. Um, later on, I realized that, you know, I, yeah, I step fived her basically before I even knew what step five was. Sure. And yeah. And it did not go well. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a scary few days. Uh, and I, didn't really know what to do. So I called my uh, brother-in-law the next day, who's got uh, like 17 years sober and he's a big AA guy. And he told me to go to a meeting. So that's what I did. And, you know, that's what I've been doing ever since just hitting up meetings often and, you know, got 82 days. So, you know, that's something's nice. going well. Yeah, man. That's so awesome. So so since that moment, uh, how have things changed in these 82 days for you guys? Uh, it's uh complete 180. Um, 
our our life is amazing. Uh, the kids are happier. My wife is happier. I'm happier. Uh, we've never gotten along so well, and um, things just keep getting better. I I it's I just wish I would have done it so long ago. It's the best thing, the best decision I have made since you know marrying my wife and having sure. you know having kids. Yeah, I, I was keeping some notes while you're going, and I'm over here. I look like a bobblehead shaking my head and I'm, I'm smiling, not because I'm, you know, I, I think it's comical or anything like that. It's like, I, I'm hearing, you know, a huge chunk of my story um, as, as you're talking, man, it's unreal. It's unreal how, uh, uh, you know, the likeness of, of two different people on the opposite sides of the country are going through the same thing. And that's the, you know, I know an addiction for me and I've heard other people say it, you feel like you're an anomaly. You're the only one that feels these th- this way. You're the only one that wants to drink this way. You're, you're all alone. And I think that's part of the, the, the progression of the disease. You start to feel like, you know, I, I have to do this. I'm all alone. And, and really, we're all really going through it in, in a lot of the same ways. Um, you know, yeah, the first thing you said, you woke up sober. You know, I don't, I don't think if you're in, um, if you're in the middle of the, the, the addiction or the d- disease, I, I know for me, at least I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, waking up sober, man, it is so much better to get like a shit night's sleep and wake up. It still feels so much better than to wake up feeling like crap. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't even fathom like how I did it. You know, I was for a long time and you talked about this too. I was going to work after drinking, you know, a fifth or more a night and, and, and fighting through all that crap, you know, it, it, I just, I don't know how you do it. So, I mean, um, I wanted to throw in there too. You had mentioned Facebook, you know, this thing called Facebook and maybe, uh, maybe I'm a little bit older than you, but the, my space was my gig when I first started drinking. Uh, that's where all the, the shit shows uh, was posted all over the place was my space. But, uh, um, yeah, you talked about the taste, you know, um, it got the job done. Uh, I think that's interesting. I think that's another phase that a lot of people go through. I, uh, I said, I would never drink vodka. It's disgusting. Um, I, I only drink things that taste good. Well, more than I think about it now, nothing ever really did taste good. You know, it was serving its purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so mask it and hide it. That was something that you talked about. Mask it was, I think the words that you used, um, if you can uh, elaborate on that, I know that I would, I would use mouthwash. I would brush my teeth all the time. I would eat uh, beef jerky. I'd eat shit that stinks. I'd add more garlic to my stuff to try to mask all the drinking I was doing. Uh, do you have any stories on, on, on that, on the, on more about the masking or anything like that? Yeah. So uh, what you said, all of the above and also <laughs> to, uh, to mask, uh, <laughs> Yeah, to mask uh, symptoms uh, of like being too drunk or whatever. I, you know, because I was always on the clock. I was always checking the clock, watching the clock. You know, I got X amount of time before my wife gets home. And then sometimes mm-hmm. when I felt that I was too drunk on top of a high regimen of water and yeah, mouthwash and things like that um, to, to get rid of the physical symptoms, I would uh, oftentimes I would, purge i would go into the bathroom yeah. stick my finger down my throat and try to you know get as much of it out of my body as i could and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't and um just to throw back to the 
the hangover thing that you were talking about earlier too. Um, yeah, I, I used to be the first one asleep and the last one out of bed and my, you know, my kids would come in the room at, you know, early hours and be like, daddy, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, get out and just not wanting to anything to do with the world. And I was grumpy in the mornings and now, yeah, I went to bed at after midnight last night because my, uh, my one-year-old, he took a very late nap and, you know, I went to bed after midnight and woke up at four 30 and I feel great. I, you know, it's, it's so much better in every way. Yeah. Your body is just going through so much and it's really hard to, you're not thinking about that. Um, you know, uh, um, the, the damage that that thing is doing, um, man, you just said something else too. And if I don't write this crap down, um, (laughs) uh, so, uh, another thing that I wrote on here, um, you said, uh, the, the fighting and the arguing, um, Clearly that has gotten better. Um, I know that with my ex-fiance, we never had an argument ever unless it was drinking. You know what I mean? Um, you know, oh, yeah, I was going to mention you're talking about purging. One of my genius ideas was when she'd get up and leave to take her son to school at 7, 730 in the morning. I was like, I'll just drink as soon as she leaves that way. I can get good and drunk and then I can fall asleep and I'll be fine by the time she gets home. I mean, just brilliant plan. So with the argument that was happening, you know, how much, and even in these 82 days, I remember what it was. So in these first 82 days, okay. Um, I'll give you an example. This uh, yesterday or Friday night, I spent the, uh, spent the night with my ex fiance and uh, we got to spend some time together. You know, we're rebuilding, we're working on things, rebuilding that trust and whatnot. And there was a situation. She went outside to do some things around the yard and I had stayed inside. I was doing some Twitter stuff and we talked about it on the way home. And she was like having a little bit of flashbacks. Like it was always her outside doing stuff in the yard and me inside laying on the couch or not doing anything. Cause I was hung over and not helping in these 82 days or whatever. Have you experienced anything like that? I mean, how is it, you know, cause there's a little, uh, I don't know if PSD, I don't like using that, that term, but is there any residuals, um, you know, uh, going on right now with your, with your wife about like, you know, how's the suspicion? Let's put it that way. How's the suspicion in these 82 days so far? Uh, yeah. So we're in a unique position where, um, she was actually on maternity leave for the first, um, you know, she was on maternity leave for three months. So, um, my daughter was born on January 26th and then um, I got sober on the 13th of February. So she was home the entire time. So her suspicion at first, I, I'd be like, okay, you know, I'm going to go to the store. We need this stuff. And she wanted to see receipts from the store and mm. um, things like that. Uh, typical things like that. And she would ask me, you know, how are things like, you know, how did it go and blah, blah, blah. And, there'd be a lot of questions. Um, she doesn't do that so much anymore. Um, she actually, I didn't include this earlier, but she, she's been going to Al-Anon meetings and awesome. Yeah. And at first that it didn't seem like it was helping. She'd come home in a worse mood than when she left because she was hearing, um, you know, all the other people's stories, but then, um, 
it seems that she and then I realized it wasn't really like anger that she had, but it was like sadness. Like she was yeah. she's very empathetic person and she was sad for the other people's stories. And um, I hate to use the word fortunate, but um, as far as things go, it was a pretty high bottom uh, for, you know, I have a high bottom in comparison to other people, but sure. um you know, it was, it was my bottom, like the fear of yeah. losing my wife and kids. And um, so like, she understands how lucky we are that, you know, we didn't get there yet. As people like to say, <laughs> like all of those things could have happened. I definitely deserve like DUIs and things like that. I drove and I hate to admit it. And that's one thing that I probably, I don't know if I could ever forgive myself for that. I can't foresee it for now, but I did drive with my kids in the car. I mean, mm -hmm. it was never like crazy road trips, but there's a convenience store five minutes down the road. You yeah. know, you drive like 25 miles an hour and, you know, got to do the, the one eyed driving to make sure that you see the lines and oh yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty of that. Um, and I, you know, I hate, you know, I hate to think about it, but I did do that. And that was, I think the hardest part for her as well was the driving with the kids but um, she actually returned to work. Uh, her first week back at work was actually this week. So, and that's when I did, you know, did my handiwork, so to speak. That's when I did my right. drinking was when she was gone. And um, no, she's, she's been great. The, that was her fear. She, uh, you know, told me that like when she would call me after work and she'd hear, you know, she used the mm. term that voice. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep. And then that's what, yeah, that's that voice. And you could tell she would call me like, hi. And I would say something and then her, her immediate demeanor on the phone would change. And I was like, oh shit, she knows. And Good. yeah, <laughs> I, I know I, I, my, I, she listens, my ex fiance listens to every, I'm going to start calling her Miley. I'm going to quit saying that. Um, Miley listens to every podcast and I, this is just going to be one where I know that she's going to call me up afterwards or send me a message and be like, Jesus, that's like your brother over there. Because it, that voice, you know, we, we're so smooth. We, we got, you know, we're so tricky, you know, we're, we're going to, I'm going to talk normal this time. They, they fucking know we are not nearly as sneaky, um, and, and good at hiding these things as, as we think, man. Um, you know, uh, I always like to tell people like your worst day or the worst thing that happened to you in, in your drinking is every bit is equal to somebody else. It's is equal to my four OWIs, me getting kicked out of the house, me not seeing my kids now for over a year in person. Your worst is, is just as equal as mine. Cause you, you have nothing else to gauge it on. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, I always try to tell people don't sell yourself short, man. I mean, it hurts. Your hurt is, is is equal as anybody else's hurt. Um, I can say that there was one time in particular when I drove with my boys. It's not good to throw this out there, but I told, uh, I, you know, the, the decision was made, to be honest. Um, I, I was very drunk. I'd gotten a, stopped at a bar and got a pizza. And uh, I remember calling Miley on the way home and my kids were crying in the back seat. You know, I, I knew I was tanked and I'm sitting here trying to reach over and grab a slice of pizza and eat this pizza. And, you know, she could hear the rumble strips and she's trying to calm the kids down because it's going through the speakers on the truck. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's just, you know, this guy that's sitting here talking to you right now would never do that. I would never want to put my kids in that situation. But that piece of shit. Uh, that I let myself become, and it's not just letting myself become, it is a disease. It's something that it was a little bit out of my control. Uh, um, you know, I, it went from 
you know, uh, being an addiction to a necessity to the point that I got, I couldn't wake up without, I couldn't brush my teeth. I couldn't type on a keyboard. My hands are shaking so bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's terrifying to think about. It's terrifying to recall, um, but it's something that I have to keep there. Uh, AA says, you know, you don't uh, regret the past, nor with the wish to shut the door on it. Um, it's done. They didn't get hurt. Thank whoever for that. And um, but I got to remember that feeling in, in case those things come back, you know, um, trying to come up with excuses. Uh, you talked about that. Um, I totally relate. I mean, I created a whole scenario. I purposely walked down the hallway and fell as hard as I could in the hallway and made up a bullshit story about tripping over a cat. And that led to all kinds of scans on my head and blood work and all this stuff. And I kept it going, dude. I got up one day. It like worked. Like I was like, Oh yeah. You know, she's feeling bad for me now. You know, I, I got it. I got a here. So I got up one day in my underwear, put my work boots on and my hat on. And she's like, Scott, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to work. You're in your underwear. And I just sat there and I created this dude. I created this whole thing and I sat there and, and it's going to lead up to this very important part here. I think I did all that for the drink, man. And this is somebody that I love with my entire heart. I know that's, that's hard to, for some people to comprehend. It's true. I love my children. I love them so much and I loved her so much and it, but I still did this because my thinking, my mind was so fucked. And, you know, you said something, uh, you know, you, you made it, uh, man, that is such, I could see it. I could see you sitting there with your wife and I can see you like, okay, I'm going for it. I'm just going to empty the cart of lies and throw it out there and let it happen. That is such a huge pivotal moment, man, because I remember when I finally came clean about everything, there were things that Miley knew I was lying about and I finally came clean on it. The weight that lifted off my shoulders even even knowing the, what the results could be, the weight that was lifted was totally worth it, no matter what the repercussions were. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, 100%. Um, that feeling, I can't describe how freeing that was. Freeing, yeah. It, yeah, I felt better immediately. And yeah, and I almost felt, oh, no, I didn't almost feel, I felt bad because she's crying and I just, you know, I, I did a little bit of crying when I was confessing all this, but I just, I felt so good in the moment and yeah. I felt bad for feeling good because it was so freeing and she, over here, she's crying and, you know, feeling so shitty and I felt great yeah. and I felt sad. It was, it was yeah. a very mixed bag of emotions. Yeah, for sure, man. But, but not waking up with that weight, it was so much fucking work. I, I can tell that I'm really enjoying this conversation because yeah. I start dropping f bombs. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. so it makes sense. But no, I, I just it, it's really it's really good, man. Just that all the work of the hiding of the bottles. I mean, um, you know, there's there isn't a drop ceiling in the basement at Miley's anymore because all the bottles I was hiding in the ceiling, and once they were found, you know, they she took them all down. Um, but the work, the planning and the, and the, the work to hide it and the masking, oh my God, it's exhausting. 
it was a full-time job on top yeah. of my full-time job. I was a, a master Tetris player in the trash can. I would la- layer things <laughs> in the trash can. And my wife later told me that she used to look around the house. If I would leave, she would look around and look for evidence that I was drinking and she never found it. That's how good I was at, at hiding things. Like it was, it was a full-time job. We have cameras in our house for our kids and oh. so we can see them. And I had an elaborate route planned around the house. So I would <laughs> avoid the cameras to go get. So, cause I would keep my alcohol outside. And that's one thing. My kids never saw an alcohol container because I would always put it in something else. And I mean, I, you know, I don't want to sound too, too awful, but my kids never went without, I was always like their meat, their needs were always met. That's one thing I always, you know, did the dishes, changed diapers, like I was very functional up until the point where I was no longer functional, but it was always Mm -hmm. right before she got home. But uh, I wanted to throw back to what you were saying about the, uh, you know, you, you uh, essentially faking an injury or whatever. Uh, Yeah. I I faked an ear infection because my wife saw me on the camera kind of stumble and bounce into a counter. And uh, she called me and was like, you're drunk, blah, blah, blah. And came racing home and, you know, so then I, you know, as a kid, I used to get ear infections a lot and you kind of lose your balance. I don't know if, mm-hmm. if people are familiar with that, but sure. so, yeah, I had, I, I faked an ear infection. Uh, yeah. I even went to the, I went so far as to go to the doctor and get antibiotics and all this stuff. And, you know, it was this whole thing and that got me out of that one route, like, yeah, that one situation. But, um, and like what you were saying about the similarities between you and I, yeah, a lot of the stuff you were saying, I'm over here nodding my head too. And I think that was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was, uh, pay attention to the similarities and not the differences. Because when I went to my first AA meeting, there was, you know, people are talking about, people are talking about jail time. People are talking Mm -hmm. about DUIs and like doing drugs and things like that. Drugs were never really my thing. Like I had wrist surgery a couple of years ago and, I think I still have all the painkillers in the cabinet because I just, I was never into pills or anything like that. Like my, my whole thing was just alcohol and I, I was very good at that. I was very good at alcohol. I was, you know, but drugs, mm-mm. but yeah, the AA changed everything for me as far as just listening to other people and what they went through. And I was like, Oh, I've done that. I've drank like that. I've been sure. there, you know? And yeah, it was, uh, I'm big on accountability and mm-hmm. that, you know, just telling my wife was it's, it was enough accountability for me to where I, you know, like me telling her the truth validated all the feelings she was having. And I think right. that was a big thing for her. Cause she told me, she's like, she legit thought she was crazy. That's how bad I gaslit her. She thought she was crazy because I would lie so much and uh, another thing you said, like, you know, we weren't fooling anybody. That's exactly the only person that was fooled was me. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I was so sneaky and so sly and getting away with all this. And, you know, I had, especially in the last couple of months of my addiction, every single day was a day one. Every yeah. single day, I'm like, I'm quitting today. And then yeah. by noon, I'm drinking again. Like I used, like I'd go to the gym and on the way to the gym, I would have this, like, it was like an out of body experience. I'd get alcohol. And instead of working out that day, I would, you know, drink at the gym. I would hide in one of the stalls and fill up my cup and go like sit in the sauna or the hot tub and just drink at the gym. Like that's, and physical fitness is a big thing for me. And like, that's how bad it got where I would just, I wasn't doing anything I enjoyed anymore. It was all about 
drinking. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, man, that on out of body experience, it's kind of what Bill W talks about in the big book. Um, you know, when he's talking about all his relapses and, you know, here I am pounding on the bar. How did it happen again? Son of a bitch. Well, I already drank. Might as well get good and tanked. You know what I mean? Um, you talked about this focusing on the similarities, not the differences. Differences. I, I think it is always important to note uh, when you're having a discussion that it is a progressive disease. And when you walk into the rooms like I did uh, for the first time in 2018, and you walk in and you start looking at the differences, and that's exactly what I did because nobody told me that. Nobody guided me through that. Oh, I'm not that bad. Ooh, I haven't done that. You know, uh, all the things that I'd never done back in 2018, I've now done uh, tenfold. Now I am now I would be the guy that would be coming in there and sharing some of these things. And the newcomer is going to be like, God dang, you know, I'm glad I'm, I don't have four OWIs. I'm glad I haven't spent months in jail. Um, all those things will happen if you focus on that because it is a progressive disease and it, it's progressive from, you know, when you start, you know, I had some sobriety because I was in 2018, I was on probation and I had some sobriety there. And then as, the day that the ankle bracelet came off, I had bought a 24 pack of uh, Miller light. And I, that night I had my kids and I was passed out in my bed and they called their mom and she came with the cops and she took them home. It, it picked up exactly where it left off. All everything that I'd built in that time of sobriety uh, was down the toilet within an instant. And that's the danger of this thing. Um, so I, I think some great points that you made there, man. No, oh, thank you. Yeah. And the, the, the yet scale, you know, yet mm-hmm. stands for, uh, what is it? You're eligible to, or something like that. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's coming. It's coming. If, if, if it's a problem and, and you've made the decision and you can recognize, you know, you did the test, Bill W's test, go out and have a drink and then stop and see if you can continue that pace. Um, if you figured it out and you realize it is a problem, it, it will only get worse. It will never get better. So, yeah, man, what a great chat, dude. And I know you got a meeting here in a half an hour. Um, what else you got? You want to plug your podcast when you release date, uh, release episodes, uh, feel free, man. Yeah, sure. Uh, one more thing. I do want to give a shout out to, uh, AA. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. I that's you know we're we're very isolated here we don't have a lot of family like locally or anything and you know connection was a big thing for me um I I was already two weeks into my sobriety sobriety when I started going to AA and you know they told me keep coming back all that stuff uh 90 meetings in 90 days and I was like well I'm two weeks behind you know what am I gonna do well long story short I hit 90 meetings in 60 days and I'm already mm. well into the hundreds uh, you know over 100 now cuz you know I go to a meeting every single morning and I haven't missed one yet on Zoom awesome. and awesome. I my one in person meeting so you know I'm yeah a, a, like accountability and connection is a big thing for me um so I highly recommend you know if if AA is not your thing or whatever talk to somebody, join some kind of group. I am really, I just started Twitter a couple of days ago and I am really enjoying the recovery posse uh, hashtag on Twitter. That's a good group of people. Um, But yeah, so my podcast is the sober dad podcast. And uh, I try to talk about 
my, you know, oh, I, I don't try. I do it. I talk about sobriety <laughs> and I try to tie in parenting to that. Um, I, when one of my stints of sobriety, I got really, I deep dove into like dad podcasts and how to better myself as a dad. And, you know, a lot of that stuff stuck because uh, I was sober at the time. And I still, even when I was drinking, I was trying to apply all this stuff. Like I'm still going to be a great dad, even if I'm drinking and, you know, you just, you can't be the better parent. dad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm a better yeah. dad when I'm drunk. Yeah. Right. right yeah. Yeah. You justify everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm more fun. I actually get yeah. on the floor and play with the kids <laughs> and wrestle with the kids and stuff. But um, yeah. Uh, your, your kids deserve a fully present parent, uh, whether, you know, whether you're a mom or a dad uh, I, I am able to do so much more for my kids now. Um so I, yeah, if I know you're not supposed to do it for other people, but if that's what gets you started and then you yeah. finally decide to do it for yourself, you know, if nothing else, you, you just try sobriety for your kids and who knows, you might like it. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine myself not drinking uh, a few months ago. I just didn't know how I was capable of not drinking yeah. and so, yeah. So on the podcast, I just, we, I usually pick a topic and talk about how that relates to sobriety. And then I tie in parenting to that. And, um, I wanted to, uh, I'm, I'm planning on doing interviews in the near future. I've got a couple of people that I'm talking to lined up that hasn't happened yet. And as far as the schedule goes, I kind of just do it whenever I feel like it. I mean, I, I, I've, I've committed myself to at least one a week. I mean, I just launched on Monday and I have uh, four episodes and I've got, um, you know, I'm working on like a, a Mother's Day episode. That's going to be like a bonus episode. I got, you know, my kids involved with that. So that's going to be fun. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I just at least one a week. Uh, there's not really a time frame. They're mostly about 20 minutes for now. Uh, I just kind of get in here in the morning when everyone's still asleep and try to jump on and record and you know, I like your style as well. The the not editing, I edit as little as possible if I can help it just for time's sake for one. And for two, it just feels more authentic to just sit down in front of the mic and just start talking and see where it goes. So yeah, yeah. the sober dad podcast. Um, I'm on Twitter at uh, sober dad pod because some person out there apparently had the same <laughs> idea as me and made the hashtag, but I don't know who they are or where they are. I haven't heard anything about them. Sure. Um, as far as website goes, I just have the the Buzzsprout uh, domain that's just like a landing page for the website. I don't have my own website or anything like that yet. I tried Instagram and that stuff. It's uh, I have no idea how to use Instagram. So me either, Twitter, man. It's yeah. there. I don't use it. <laughs> yep, T- Twitter is where you'll find me. I tried Instagram twice, and I'm like, "Where's the post? I just made one, and it's not there." So, yep. you know, I, yeah, I live on Twitter pretty much, and then I have um, my email is just. Um, the sober it's sober dad podcast at gmail.com. So if anyone wants to reach out, wants to be interviewed or, you know, just has a question or anything like that, that's where you can find me. Yeah, man. It's a, it's really cool. I, I wish you the best of luck with that because it's, it's, this is uh they say in treatment that journaling is, is so important, you know, to get your feelings out. I journal by doing a video diary. And, and in fact, a lot of my solos, I, that's the title you know, a uh, diary of a cranky old dude or di- diary of a recovering alcoholic, whatever, you know, and I just get on I, when I feel like shit and I'm having a day, you know, I get on and I, I try to talk about it. I think it's very healthy. Um, you, uh, you said something, I wanted to ask you about it. 
uh, you said, I, I try to do this. And then you quickly corrected yourself and you said, no, not try. I do. What's, where's that come from? Uh, I, I mean, I kind of, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big star Wars nerd and I've taken some serious life advice from Yoda, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, do or do not, there is no try, but I, yeah, I, I do do things. I, I'm very big into the, um, I wouldn't so much call it affirmations, but it's more of just like, you know, like, uh, you know, speaking things to power or whatever, as far as like the, you know, positive, you know, putting out positive vibes. I I'm going to do this. I do do this. Not, I try, you know, I'll, I'll try. It's like, no, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do this. Yeah. I had a counselor. Um, he would give you the evil eye. He's a super great dude. He was, he was going to be a priest at one point in his life. Now, um, alcohol, you know, had some, some, uh, influence on that. And now he, he's saving lives by being a counselor and telling the great stories. And he's like, you know what? Try. He's like, you know, if he's like, this was his story, he would say, if, uh, you call me up and say, Hey, John, let's go, let's go to lunch. I'll say, I'll try to be there. And, you know, I probably won't show up. He's like, sorry, John, but I'm telling the story because it was all all dude counseling session. He's like, but if a blonde with big boobs calls me and says, hey, you want to go to lunch? I'm going to be there. You know, I'm not going to try to be there. I'm going to be there. That was always his story on that. So it just you kind of triggered something in my head. Yeah, we don't try. We do, you know, uh, positive affirmations. Uh, my second third time through treatment um it was a goal to get up and and stare that person in the face that person i couldn't stand right in the eyes and and say three things three times a day they're positive about me and it sounds silly but it does work man it it really does so um one other thing too aa-intergroup.org if you go to that um like john said uh aa doesn't feel right for some people um and that's sometimes because of bad experiences or it's a misconception of what AA really is. Um, there are so many groups listed that start every 15 minutes on this website. You could just search AA uh, online meetings and, and you'll probably find this website. Um, there's LGBTQ meetings only, you know, uh, there's uh, 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 secular meetings um, where they take the the three little word that a lot of people have a problem with out of it completely. There's a variety of things you can find in AA meeting that will fit your needs on that website. They're out there. Um, and, and you know, I, I know some of the old timers are like, eh, it's got to be in person. Man, I tell you what, um, when I first started trying to do this stuff and COVID hit, uh, I went to nine meetings in one day on Zoom. And they were all around the freaking world. And it was one of the funnest days I've ever had just to just to do that and, and to hear the accents and be a part of that. Give it a shot. It does help. I mean, it's sweet mug, by the way. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. Um, it, are, are you going to Zoom or are you going in person this morning? Uh, Zoom. The, so this this yeah. meeting, I guess, before uh, before COVID was in person and then it, they switched over to Zoom and they kind of just stuck with that. And yeah, I mean, I I wasn't going during COVID and I was stay at home dad. So I was unemployed. So I had no real experience with Zoom, but I mean, it's awesome. I love it. And yeah. same like with you. One day I was like, I really need some meetings. So I think I hit like six meetings in one day. 
And, uh, you know, shout out to the, the LGBTQ. I, I joined one of those up and it was uh, a meeting in Portland. I don't live in Portland, but I'm, you know, on the outskirts or so. And those guys have a lot of fun in those meetings. It was, sure. it was crazy. It was hard to keep up with what was going on in that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And that way, I mean, with zoom, like every 15 minutes, there's a new one starting. So if you find one and you get in and it's just like, yeah, this is an honest program here. Uh, just like AA, you know, if it comes in and it feels too churchy for me, I just quietly bow out and I go on to the next one. You know, that's, I, I don't, I don't want a sermon. I, I want the AA experience. I want, you know, I study the big book, whatever it is. That's just my personal thing. If, if you like to go in and have it, uh, you know, more, um, around a specific religion they have those two and it's it's there's something for everybody is the point and give it a shot you owe it to yourself there's no excuses with the zoom meetings oh, i couldn't find a ride oh i you know something came up you're right here you can join it at any point in time you can leave at any time and nobody's going to you know look down on you give it a shot you owe it to yourself man and uh john man congratulations on 82 days dude i really appreciate coming on here and, and telling the story i you know, um, sleep is, uh, I'm here in, uh, four days, I'll have eight months. And nice. I got to a point where sleep was like, I could just lay down and go to sleep just like that. And it was the best sleep I've had. Now, all of a sudden something is happening and I can't fall asleep. I toss and turn. And so I, I, I snoozed the alarm so many times this morning. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I got to get up. I got to try to get ready for this thing. Um, but after having a talk with you, man, and hearing your story, uh, it's rejuvenated me. I'm ready to go for the day. Got a Twitter live here at noon with rich S and then another podcast, uh, later today to be recorded. So thank you for coming on, man. It's, it's, you're going to help somebody out it, you know, it's a lot of timing, but, uh, somebody going to listen to this thing and they're going to relate to your story. And, um, you know, I think, uh, for me in this podcast, I don't care the length of your sobriety. If you're working on your recovery and I have people on man, 82 days, you know, sometimes some AA speaker or meetings, they won't let you have uh, speak until you have six months or a year. I want to hear the people that are in it and it's fresh because I'll be honest with you. One of my biggest fears is like when I get like a couple years, two, three years down the road, is that voice going to sneak back in and say, Hey, you did it. You got a couple of years in here. And I forget, you know, all the crap that is hanging in my head right now. That's keeping help keeping me sober. Um, it, it's, that's kind of a fear for mine. So I, I, a fear of mine. And I, so I really appreciate people that are willing early on in sobriety. Um, I think one day is amazing. So 82 days isn't early for me. I think you are deep in it. And it sounds like you got a, a great start, man. And I'm so happy to hear it. Um, I also like to have people on the Al-Anon side of it too, man. I think their stories are so important. Um, when you have a significant other that has dealt with your crap, um, to go and be able to have a source to 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 hear that the similarities and differences and and be able to hear that, um, you know, give her a big hug for doing that, dude. I mean, that is that is so huge for her to be willing to do that, not only for your relationship but for herself. So uh, high five yeah. to her for, for attending those meetings, man. They are, they are so, so helpful. Yeah, no, my wife is the best person I know. And I tell her that all the time. And I am very blessed to have, to have her in my life. And um, yeah, I highly recommend Al-Anon to anyone out there who 
has uh, put up with the same kind of shit that my wife had to put up with. <laughs> yeah, well, there we sometimes we're very lucky, um, some of us jackasses. Uh, but uh, now that we can appreciate it, right, with a clear mind, as a sober mind, we can appreciate it, and we can let them know how much they mean to us. Um, yeah. So every day. I'm, yeah, dude, I am so happy for you, man. Thank you so much for coming on this thing. And, um, you know, uh, check back in in a little bit and we'll see how it's going. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And hopefully I'll make that Twitter spaces thing today. I'll see what awesome. happens. <laughs> I hope so, man. All right. Well, take care, buddy. All right. Bye. See you, John.